Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. Each of us will have to craft a new identity for ourselves throughout life. And in moments of transition like this, it's always best to know what to expect and what not to do and what to do. And that's exactly what we talk about today on The Hard Thing Podcast with my guest, Jimmy Ferris. Uh, now, before we get to that, a couple of housekeeping items. First of all, for those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm your host, Justin Lewis, and the Hard Thing Podcast is all about helping you find actionable ways to deal with hard things in your life and also learn how to deal with any hard thing life could throw at you. And on Mondays, we have amazing conversations with high-performing individuals like today's guest, Jimmy Ferris, uh, who have done hard things and have lived to tell the tale, essentially. And... Uh, before we go on to the show, I also want to invite you listeners to go to OURrescue.org and learn about my favorite nonprofit organization, Operation Underground Railroad. I advertise for them every week, but I, they don't know about it. I do it for free, but it's just because I love the organization. And what they do is they go undercover to rescue kids from sex trafficking, and it's a big job, and they need lots of help. And frankly, the biggest thing they need right now is just more awareness. So if you could go to OURrescue.org and just learn about what they do, that would be amazing. Now, let me tell you about today's podcast guest. I talk with Jimmy Ferris, who is a coach and a business advisor. He also played for the San Francisco 49ers as well as the Patriots, uh, and he also won a Super Bowl ring. Uh, well, he actually won the Super Bowl, but he got the ring because he won the Super Bowl. Anyways... But we talk a lot about identity today and crafting yourself and understanding who you are and following your interests and passions. Honestly, it was a very thought-provoking conversation for me, and, and Jimmy is a very nice guy, very approachable, and uh, it, was just, it was just a great conversation. And I, I hope a lot of that, if not all of it, can be translated to you and you can experience the same thing because I know I'm a better person for having had that conversation. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jimmy Ferris. All right, well, thank you for coming on the Hard Thing Podcast, Jimmy. I'm excited to have you here and, and have this conversation with you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Uh, well, let's go ahead and ask the question that I ask every single guest. Jimmy, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? Good question. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think the hardest was probably transitioning from being an athlete, being a pro athlete, transitioning from pro sports into the real world and essentially having to reinvent myself. So much of my identity was tied up in being an athlete for most all of my life up to that point, I retired from pro football when I was 31. So I'd been an athlete for 25, 26 years at that point in time. Um, so having to try to 
create a new identity, you know, knowing that I was no longer going to play football. I was no longer a pro athlete. I went through some dark days, um, really trying to figure out who I was, what I wanted to do, what I could offer the world. I'd spent all of my teens and twenties focused on football and being an athlete. And so I didn't have a ton of skills, so to speak, in terms of um, any business experience or anything I could really put on a resume. And so at 30, 31, I had to undergo the process of reinventing myself and trying to create a new identity. And I think, you know, through that process, obviously I grew um, immensely and was able to figure out a lot of things about myself, who I was, why I was the way I was, what things I loved and was interested in and passionate about outside of football. And ultimately that those journey led me to what I'm doing now, which is speaking, coaching, training, um, using a lot of those principles and that mindset of an athlete and teaching business professionals how to apply those in their business and um, more broadly in their life. So um, that's what I'm doing now. And it, and that all came from that deep dive into who I was and what I wanted to do moving forward when I transitioned from pro sports. I think that's a very fascinating response to the question. Um, I have some follow-up questions, but kind of start off the string of questions. Sure. When did, when did you uh, start playing football? So I started playing when I was five. Um, and then my first year that I was eligible to actually be on a team, like a boys and girls club flag football here in Idaho, we didn't have pop Warner, like tackle football. So I was yeah. playing flag football. Uh, and I started doing that when I was seven. Um, so it football has been a, a lifelong love and was a passion of mine when I was young. I actually, one of the, the pieces that I talk about a lot in my seminars, and it's kind of a big part of my story is at age 10, when I was in the fifth grade, uh, one of my teachers had us write down some goals and some things we wanted to do when we were adults. And, and as a 10 year old, I wrote down that my goal in life was to play pro football. And so I, I spent, like I said, the majority of my time from that day forward working to, to try to be the best player I could be at whatever level I was at at the time, whether it be flag football and junior high, high school, and then into college. And then ultimately was able to achieve that dream and, and go to the pros and play in the NFL. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a love affair of mine for, for, um, since I was five, six years old. Crafting a new identity is, is very difficult. And, uh, honestly, you know, you're not the first person on the show to, to mention, Hey, I had to, you know, a part of my life came to an end and I had to think about what was next. And in your case, part of me thinks that and you'd have to correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe the transition was so difficult because the transition to becoming, you know, uh, a, a big fan of football, such a fan that you play it for, for a living. Right. Um, and it, that transition to become that took, you know, 20 plus years or so. And then the transition to not be that was like one day. Yes. One day. No. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So I always liken it to kind of the process of building your dream house, right? You spend all of these years, all this time and energy and blood, sweat and tears building this dream house. In my case, it was my dream career, my dream life, fulfilling you know, a goal and a lifelong dream and something I was really passionate about. And then, you know, one day somebody knocks on the door and says, Hey, you got to go. 
You know, you spent all this time building it and now you got to move out. You got to go build another one or try to live somewhere else. And so, you know, one of the things I, I, I talk about a lot uh, in my coaching sessions or in seminars, whenever this idea of identity comes up is that the mistake that I made was I, I tried to detach myself completely from the person that I'd built, that I'd become. My mindset was if I'm not going to play football anymore and I'm not going to be an athlete and I've got a transition then I've got to let go of all of that, almost like a relationship, right? Where you're like, that relationship's over and I just got to let go and forget about it and move on. And the mistake was, is that I tried to let go of and throw away all of the, the things about who I was that could potentially be really beneficial moving forward in, in my next career. And so my process was, was also one of trying to create a new guy, right? Build a new person, but also implementing those things about myself that were really beneficial. I threw all of it away. I, I all the, the discipline, the mindset, the hard work, the commitment, the passion, all those things. I was like, Nope, I'm no longer that guy because I got to reinvent myself. And that was a big mistake. And so for me, the lesson was really, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, right? Keep all of the things that got you to the point where you are, all of the things that allowed you to get to that level. You need to hold on to those and, and keep those as a part of your identity, just apply them to something different. And that was the real kind of the lesson for me. Wow. Um, I can imagine this same scenario kind of playing out with uh, certainly those who serve in the military and then are discharged and have to move on to something else. My dad just retired from from teaching and he kind of did it on a whim because he really hated where he was teaching. Uh, And I I could see that the same process, you know, you're working one day and now you're not working, uh, moving from one job to another. So what what sort of things that did you start trying during this transition to to really figure out, as you say, who I was and and to really understand yourself? Yeah. So it it, essentially for me, it really came down to, um, you know, like I said, detaching from the idea that, you know, the only thing that I could do, the only thing that I was good at was playing football or being an athlete. So I really dove into anything else that interested me. And I realized I have a I had a ton of interest outside of football. That, that was just what I did and a big part of who I was for a long time, but it didn't define me as a person and it didn't inform all of my decisions and the things that I liked and everything that I was about. And so that's when I really dove into, you know, the quote unquote personal development or self self-help world, just reading books and doing some of the things that those books uh, recommended like journaling, um, you know, going back to some of those things I did when I was a kid, the, the goal setting, long-term goal setting, really figuring out what are the things that are going to fulfill me, right? Not just things that, that might keep putting money in my bank account or things that will keep me in a certain position or keep me in the, in, in, in the social eye, uh, keep me in the spotlight. I really, took some time to try to dive into what do I really like and whatever those things are, let's explore if there's career opportunities, if there's areas where I can make an impact, 
just going after some of the things that I really like and that I'm interested in. And, you know, as I said in the beginning, that's kind of what led me to this. I, one of the things I realized that I loved when I was playing football was the opportunity I got to do so many uh, community events, going and speaking at high schools or going and speaking to the youth or doing different things like that. I was like, I really like speaking or teaching or being in a place where my story or lessons that I've learned, I can help other people by telling them those stories. And so I started to think, hey, maybe I should look at, you know, professional speaking or being a quote unquote motivational speaker, which is just kind of, you know, the term everybody uses for the industry. Right. And, and I, and I realized that, that I had some things to say, my experiences and my journey from, you know, the, the, the kid from a small town that, ended up making it to the NFL. There was some, there was some stuff in there that I could convey to others that could help them along their journey. And that's really where my love and passion for what I do now came from. But it, it, it really started with just asking myself, what am I interested in? What do I like? What do I feel myself drawn to? And then exploring those things without judgment, without um, looking at them through the lens of, well, how much money can I make doing that? Is that a profitable career? I just explored anything that I was interested in and that um, I felt drawn to. And uh, I think that's a, that's a very good first step for anybody that might be going through that. Without judgment, just explore the things that you're interested in and that, that you're attracted to. Along those lines, is there, I guess, is it, is it only, ve- no, how do I phrase this? exploring interest is always like really important. Um, do you find that we should always kind of be exploring interest with the same zeal that you might be during the transition period or, or should you kind of focus more on that exploration during the transition period than other times when you're more stable, if that makes sense? Yeah. Look, I, I think that, um, we should always be open to the things that are attracting us, right? You find yourself just gravitating towards certain things consistently. Be open to that. You know, those are those are potentially things that um, if you if if it's not something that you can make a career out of, it it's still maybe something that could really fulfill you. I think a lot of times people get so locked into their career or what they're doing that they'll shut out any of those other impulses that they have. Uh, to be interested in something or to be attracted, be attracted to something. You know, I, I get in a lot of conversations with people about, you know, that, that idea of, of doing what you're passionate about and just chasing what you're passionate about. And I do caution people on that. You know, sometimes the things you're passionate about are not careers for you. They, they will not pay the bills. You know, I'm passionate about music. I love music. I can't sing that well. It's not a career path for me to pursue. So I listen to music. I sing in the shower. I sing in the car and I love it from a distance. Right. And so we're not always fortunate enough to make a great living doing what we're passionate about. And I'm sure there's people that'll push back uh, on that and, and um, you know, differ with me on that. But my perspective on that is, you know, sometimes our passions and the things that we're interested in are, are just hobbies, right? And we, we have a career and something we need to focus on that'll pay the bills and put food on the table. But to answer your question, I'm a huge advocate of, of continually exploring things that you're interested in. Um, I'm, a, again, a huge advocate of 
constantly learning, growing, evolving. Um, anytime people tell me, boy, you sure have changed. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd be upset at myself if I was the same guy I was a year ago or two years ago or mm-hmm. five years ago. And so I think it's important that whatever, whatever interests us, whatever things that we feel attracted to that pique our curiosity, you've got to go down those rabbit holes and explore those things. Maybe they're very profitable, successful, fulfilling careers. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just hobbies that bring some sort of fulfillment to your life. But either way, you owe it to yourself to explore it. Man, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, this this advice goes way beyond just professional advice because, you know, thinking about it, um, gosh, we were having dinner with my parents on Sunday, you know, Sunday dinner for the family and, and whatnot. And uh, my mom, uh, we were playing a board game. That, that's what we were doing. And my mom was like, she, she beat us all. And it was a game that we, you know, we, we didn't expect her to enjoy or even be good at or whatnot. And she's like, yeah, I, I'm good at this. And, you know, and my dad's like, wow, that's really surprising. And it struck me that like, it's good to constantly be surprised in your marriage and constantly be learning about your significant other. And I think this, this aspect of, being open to trying things that you even have an inkling of an interest. I think that's very good to keep yourself fulfilled, like you said, but also in a relationship, you know, it keeps it dynamic dynamic, and it keeps it alive. And, and I, I couldn't agree more with that advice. Yeah, there's, there's no question. I mean, look, there's a lot of reasons why people don't do that. A lot of reasons, you know, people have different feelings about past failures and rejections and things like that, that stop them from pursuing things that they're interested in because of, you know, a fear of failure or rejection or whatever. Um, But I really think that we do ourselves a disservice if we don't consistently at least look into the things that we're interested in. If something keeps kind of knocking on your door and you keep saying, man, why did, why do I keep being drawn to this? Or why do I keep these things keep popping up? Or I keep feeling this this connection or this interest in something and you don't explore it, you're really doing yourself a disservice. And actually that, you know, I, I'd written down uh, just a second ago, um, kind of the question I wanted to ask next, which was, you know, playing football was your profession. Uh, but I'd wager that you also did it, you know, in your off hours, just because you enjoyed it. Right. That's one of the nice things about, you know, playing a sport for your profession, you know, you get to do both. Um, and, and then you said that when you were recrafting your identity, you kind of took everything you were and, and, you know, threw it away for a second. What sort of hobbies and professions did you look into um, while you were going through this profession or not profession, this uh, transition period? Well, so what I really wanted to do was, was explore my intellectual side, right? Because I'd spent all of those years as an athlete and, and the majority, the the greater percentage of my focus and my attention was on how can I get better? How can I be a a better football player, get in better shape, get faster, get stronger, like all these types of things. And there just wasn't the focus on, you know, again, building my mind, exploring things that I'm curious about, things that I'm interested in. And so when I retired, I, I literally spent a couple of years immersed in books and podcasts weren't as, as big of a thing back then, but there was still people posting videos on YouTube and things that I, I would just do these deep dives into um, these different topics on YouTube. I went to 
uh, a training in Las Vegas and got certified in, in NLP, neuro linguistic programming, because I really wanted to understand how the brain works, how we can facilitate change. Um, and so for me, it was really about exploring things that challenged my mind. I'd spent so much time trying to build up my body and I just felt like I'd neglected my, my intellectual capacity, my intellectual side in the process. And so um, for me, it was really, it was really about going after things that, that piqued my curiosity from an intellectual perspective. And so um, I got into, uh, like I said, the personal development stuff. Um, I, I finally turned a, a big portion of my attention towards politics and public service, um, got really interested in public policy and how that affects people and all, all different roads that that, that that can lead. And so for me, it was really about making that, that transition from focusing on building my body and being as strong and as fit and, um, as fast and quick and all these things from a physical perspective to really trying to build up my mind and train my intellectual, uh, my intellectual side. Wow. Um, you've mentioned books now a couple of times, and, uh, I think it would be heartless of me to, uh, not ask, were there any sort of books that particularly stood out or really, really impacted you and kind of pushed you in specific directions? Yeah. So, so a number of different books, um, outside of a traditional personal development type or self-help book, the alchemist was, was one of the books that. You know, I hate to I hate to say changed my life, but really changed my perspective or my outlook on life. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful book. Um, a book that I gift anybody that I asked. They said, "Have you ever read The Alchemist?" They're like, "No, I never have." I go on Amazon that day and order a copy of it. To, to <laughs> I think it's that impactful. Wow! Uh, I love The Alchemist. Seven Habits by Stephen Covey. Um, such an amazing book. It it can be a little. Um, it can be a little bit of a heavy lift if you're just looking for a light read. That's not it. But there are just so many nuggets in there about life and relationships uh, outside of the, the business applications that are within that book. Um, Seven Habits is, is one of my all-time favorites. Um, Tony Robbins' early books, Unleash the Power Within, Awaken the Giant, uh, those books, because I was already studying some of that NLP stuff, those early Tony Robbins books talk a lot about NLP and behavioral change. He's really focused on, um, you know, changing people from a, from a behavioral aspect. And that's, uh, you know, kind of one of the hallmarks of NLP. So those books, um, and then the slight edge by Jeff Olson was one of my favorite books that I read shortly after I retired, because what I realized when I read that book was all these things that I'd been doing for the last 20 years, you know, as a kid playing flag football and junior high and high school all throughout all these things that I'd been doing that I thought were just things that everybody did. That book really put into perspective, like, now these are actual like techniques. These are actual things that people do to try to improve their performance and take things to a next level. And I was like, I didn't really know that was a thing. I just thought that was what everybody did, right? Yeah. Everybody sets goals or everybody focuses on just small incremental steps. And 
Um, you know, he talks about in that book, one of the things that I, that I touched on in, in my book, that idea of plant cultivate harvest, right. That, cause I was thinking, man, I used to start working out for the upcoming season that would start in September. I'd start training for that season in February or March, just planting those seeds, right. And then going through the process and cultivating. And then in September, when the season started, all that work, I'd be ready to harvest and I'd be ready to perform and play at a high level. And uh, I thought everybody did that. I thought everybody got that, you know? Um, So it was some of those type of books that really opened my mind up to the idea that, wow, these things that, that you've been doing for 20, 25 years since you were a kid, these are actual things. And people teach these and talk about them and write about them. And so that really opened my mind up to, to the possibilities for me that, well, maybe I, I should try to put a program together with all of my knowledge and experiences and things I've learned from other people and try to do the same thing for other people that these books have done for me. Well, uh, kind of speaking of that uh, plant cultivate harvest cycle and, and somewhat connecting it to our, our conversation a second ago about interests, uh, how do you know, I guess, you know, in, in, in your work, how do you how do you know when you've been planting seeds that do turn into professional interests versus seeds that will only stay as hobbies if that makes sense yeah so i, I think it, it it's it's at that moment where you realize if if there's a way to monetize it and that's something that i struggled with because i you know spent the greater part of my life up until that point basically as a as a w2 um I provided service. I signed a contract, performed the service. They put a paycheck in my locker. So when it came time for me to try to sell a service or monetize knowledge or information, I really struggled with how to do that, the process of doing that, the psychology around sales and monetization. And some of the things that I initially thought I could monetize, I realized like, um, Either I'm not really passionate enough about those things to go down that route. It's it's really not something that I want to put the work into, um, or it's something that's a saturated market. Um, I don't have a way to differentiate myself, those types of different things. But for me, I guess to, to answer the question directly, at the moment that I realize that I'm not willing or able to commit to something the way I did when I was playing football, then I realized, okay, I'm, I'm really just not passionate about this. It's an interest. It's a like, but it's not something that I'm willing to put in 12, 14, 16 hour days to have sleepless nights, to grind and hustle and all of those different adjectives that people use. Once I realized that I'm not willing to do that for something, then, then, um, that's kind of my cue. Like, all right, this, this, if you want to continue to do this, this will be just a hobby, maybe something you just offer for free uh, or make a part of your business or your package. But this isn't going to be the main thing because you don't have the commitment, dedication, passion to really see this thing through the way that it, it would need to be in order to make it profitable. See, I like that answer a lot because, you know, everyone in their various interests, hobbies, things like that, we all come up with uh we all come against resistance. I guess you could say that. And uh, sometimes that resistance is, is a signal saying, Hey, <laughs> you know, 
if you're not super jazzed about this all the time, maybe you should consider doing something else. Um, And uh, I I really like that answer. Now, because recrafting your identity is something that I think everyone's going to have to go through. Uh, Everyone's going to go through a moment where they really ask themselves, well, who am I again? Like, who am I honestly? Um, If we can kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, hopefully this isn't too personal, but if you could tell us, the biggest mistakes that you made as well as the biggest successes or, or things that you did that were right going through this process. Um, that'd be awesome. So, so I think again, the, 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 the big mistake was what I, what I talked about just a bit ago, which was the idea that I needed to completely divorce the other person, the, the, the old me, so to speak, that I needed to completely, you know, cut, cut that person off and build an entire new person. That was a mistake. The way I view that now is, is it's more like rather than a tear down and rebuild, it's more just like a remodel, right? You go in and you move a couple walls around and maybe you, you know, put down some new flooring and you, you remodel and rearrange things that will fit the new person or that are, congruent with the new identity, but you don't, you don't throw the whole thing away. You don't tear the whole house down because there's some good bones. There's a good foundation, right? There's some, there's some really good things left in that, that old structure. We just need to tweak a couple things to make it work for what the next thing is going to be. So that number one, and number two, I think, I think the real nugget um, for people that are, that are going through an identity shift James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits. If anybody um, that's listening hasn't read that, um, that would be probably one of the first books I would recommend that that you read um, if you're going through kind of this identity shift. James Clear talks about the idea of every anytime you do something, you cast a vote for the type of person that you want to be. In other words, you cast a vote for the identity that you want to embody, right? So if you want to become a writer, if if that's a goal or something that you're really passionate about, the way you become a writer, the way you shape your identity as a writer is to write every day. Because if you write every day for a year, you're a writer, right? If you go to the gym every day, you're someone who works out. If you, if you want to be more spiritual or more religious and you go to church once or twice every week, you're a churchgoer. And so when you take specific action around anything that it is that you want to become, every time you do that action, you cast a vote for for the type of person that you want to become. And after enough days, weeks, months, and years of doing that, you you are that person. You become that person just... um, by the nature of it. Again, like I said, if you, if you write every day, you are a writer. I love that. Um, so much in the, there's the saying, fake it till you make it. I think that's one of my least favorite sayings. Um, I always change it whenever people say fake it to me. I always say, you know, you know what, just say practice till you make it. Cause essentially it's the same thing. You know, it is. No, I mean, look, I know you're a podcaster because you podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you know right i mean yeah. if, uh if 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 every morning when i leave my house i see a guy 
running in my neighborhood. I see him do that every day for six months, a year. I look at that guy and say, that guy's a runner. Mm -hmm. That has become his identity because he does it every day consistently. And so, you know, we could, we could probably spend a whole show talking about consistency, right? <laughs> Just doing things consistently, yeah. and making that progress towards it. But it's really relevant when you're talking about, when you're talking about identity, right? There's a lot of times, a lot of people are in situations where they, they want to do something. I'll talk to people all the time. I'll say, yeah, you know, I want to get into podcasting. I really want to become an author. I really want to, you know, fill in the blank. And I'll say, well, how many times a week are you writing? How many podcasts have you done? Well, none yet. It's like, okay, until you start doing the thing, it's impossible to become the thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That kind of gut check right there uh, takes a certain amount of realism and humility. And uh, when, when, when shifting from one identity to, to another, sometimes, and it doesn't sound like you had this struggle at all because you know you you moved on from your old identity completely um sometimes we hold on to that old identity and say well wait you know i i don't want to do this because i am a, a podcaster and a podcaster doesn't do that or whatever did you ever see any of your teammates kind of have this issue where you know their situation required certain actions but they you know they were a professional football player or they were a super bowl champion and and a super bowl champion doesn't need to do that or anything did you ever see anything like that Absolutely. And, and I did it there. There was, there was a number of things early in my career and speaking, coaching, training, or any of the things that I was trying to do where I was like, man, how am I going to look if people that, that I know that know that I'm this pro football player and this former Super Bowl champ, they're going to look at me posting videos on Facebook and say, what's he doing? You know, that fear of other people's opinion or trying to keep up the appearance of, of being a pro athlete or, or simply trying to keep up the appearance of what everyone else thinks you are. Um, so many athletes and people from all professions struggle with that. And I certainly went through that. There was a period where I really had to be conscious and diligent about doing what needed to be done to be successful in this new space regardless of what people from my old life would think about it. And we all struggle with that to some degree, that fear of other people's opinion. And I think that's one of the biggest things that holds people back when they're transitioning or going through an identity shift is as much as they're tied to their old identity, they're tied to what all of the people from that old life think about that identity and that person. I mean, this, this applies even with people that, that want to, you know, stop drinking or get out of the drug scene. Mm -hmm. They're like, man, what are, what's my old crew going to think? You know, now I'm the guy that I show up to the party and I used to be the guy that would, you know, down a 12 pack of beer or do whatever. And now I'm saying, yeah, I don't do that anymore. And your friends are saying, Oh, you're lame. You're no fun. You're no whatever. I mean, that, this is something that that really handicaps people in multiple situations, right? Is when you're trying to move on and progress and kind of detach from an old life or an old set of habits or an old identity, as much as that's a struggle for you internally, it's also a struggle trying to get over that fear of the opinions of those 
people, that old crowd or those people that used to look up to you. And I certainly struggled with that, man. I, I felt like I'm a former pro football player. People will need to see me doing this and doing that, you know? And so I went into sports broadcasting and analyst work, right? Cause that's what a lot of former athletes do. And I realized I just didn't really like that. I wasn't really passionate about it. I was doing that because I was pretty good at it. And because it was what I, what I thought everybody else expected that I would do. And then when I got trained in NLP and I started coaching, people were like, what are you doing that for? And it took me a while to really get up the courage to say, because I like it, because I'm interested in it, because it resonates with me, regardless of what you think, you know, yeah. and that's, that's a big piece of that transition as well. I've never really connected identity with kind of other people's expectations in the, in this way. And I think it's a very fascinating way to think about that. You know, you're going through your life chronologically, you were crafting this identity of I am championship football player material, you know, and you, you were crafting yourself into that. And I'm guessing you had to do certain things that some of your peers at the time were like, why are you doing that on a Friday night? Or why are you waking up early this you know, Saturday or whatever. And uh, you kind of had to craft your own identity regardless of what others. And then I I find it so fascinating that once you're there and then you move on, you have to do the same thing over again, you know, disassociating yourself from the identity others give you. And, you know, like you said, all careers deal with this in in some way, shape or form, but professional athletes uh, do so in front of millions of people. Uh, as some professions do, but not most to be sure. And so you almost have this faux identity crafted for you by exactly. millions of people who don't know you, which I think is just so strange. Exactly. That, and that, and that's it. When you, regardless of, of how you personally feel about yourself, how mm-hmm. you identify, the minute you walk into a room, everybody in the room has their own identity that they're you know, kind of casting upon yeah. you. And they're projecting their own thoughts and feelings and beliefs about pro athletes or sports or whatever onto you. And they expect you to live up to their ideal of what a pro athlete should be or what that guy should look like or be saying or be talking about or be acting. And so, yeah, it's kind of that 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 struggle from both sides. You're dealing Mm -hmm. with what you're going through personally and, and how you're viewing things and also having to deal with everybody else projecting their ideals and their identity and their expectations upon you. On, on, on another hand, I think it's also uh, for, for those who have this, this problem of, you know, having a lot of people kind of have these expectations of you. It might in some cases be able to be used as an advantage because they expect that from you, you can kind of use that relationship to kind of curry favor or whatever. So uh, I, th- I think, like you said, it is a very fine line to walk. Um, you have to understand how to change others' expectations, but also keep the relationship in such a way that, you know, it doesn't burn bridges. Well, yes. And and also to that point, I, I, I have no issues admitting the fact that my career in this industry as a speaker, a coach, a trainer is due in large part because of my previous career of being an NFL player and a Super Bowl champion, right? And mm-hmm. so I have credibility because people say, 
man, this guy did X, Y, and Z. He must know something about success, high performance, mm -hmm. how to be your best. And so to your point, that's a fine line, right? Like I can't, I can't totally disavow that and right. disavow people projecting onto me what, what they think a pro athlete is or what they can bring because they hire me to speak and coach their teams based on that guy that I was mm -hmm. right. And so that, again, that's a struggle, something that I struggled with where, where I was going through that phase where I was like, I'm not that guy. I, I, I don't do that anymore. Um, I had to figure out how to thread that needle and say, yeah, but um, so much of who you are at your core is that guy. Mm -hmm. You just, you just don't apply that to football and pro sports anymore, right. but that is the foundation of who you are. And, um, you know, and that's, that's what I've figured out over the last couple of years. I've gotten really comfortable again in my own skin and saying, that's who I was. That's what I did. This is who I am now. Same guy applying it differently, doing different things, striving for different goals. Right. I suppose it kind of goes back to, uh, um, you know, you said you, you threw the baby out with the bathwater and then you kind of had to reclaim some of those central tenets that helped you become that person, the discipline, the mental fortitude. And I think maybe that's kind of the key to being able to own and claim both aspects of your identity and say, I do have the mental discipline and fortitude of a championship level athlete. Also the mental discipline and fortitude of a professional speaker, coach, and, and I, I help businesses and yep. I can connect that, you know, and, and the, I have stories, but this central tenet is the through line, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and here's the crazy thing about that. For, for most of my life, teens and twenties, I always had a reason why I was doing or not doing something. When my football career ended, I didn't have those reasons anymore. So for instance, why was I not eating fast food? Why wasn't I drinking alcohol? Why wasn't I staying out late partying or out at the club or, you know, doing whatever? Yeah. Well, it was because I, I knew that that wasn't the lifestyle that I needed to be living in order to be the best athlete that I could be, right? It was not congruent with being a world-class level athlete. When I retired, somebody offered me a drink or somebody was like, hey, let's go to McDonald's. My first thought was like, no, I don't do that. And then the, then the next thing that would come up would be like, why not? What, what, do you, what are you not doing that stuff for anymore? You don't right. have anything that you're, you don't need to be a great athlete anymore. It doesn't matter if you get fat. Right. Here's if you have a, have a few drinks, get a little tipsy. I struggled with that big time. And so through that process, what I realized is the reason why I'm not doing those things is because I'm just not that type of guy, mm. whether, whether I've got a football game I'm preparing for, or whether I've got a, a, a big speech at a big national conference I'm preparing for, it doesn't matter. I just, I'm just not a guy that likes to drink alcohol. I'm just not a guy that wants to eat fast food every day. Mm -hmm. I'm just not a guy that wants to be up late out at the club. I don't need a reason why I'm not doing that stuff. Right. I'm just not that guy. And that was, that was a big revelation for me when I went through that process was that, you know, for so many years I was doing or not doing things because fill in the blank. And once I realized I didn't need a, because it's just, cause I don't want to, I'm not that guy. That's, that's, that's the, because, 
Right. Um, that was a big breakthrough for me. Dang. I hope, I hope a lot of kids in high school just heard that, um, especially those who might feel themselves to be prone to peer pressure, especially in the negative type, because, uh, and, and I'm, the way I would describe what you just outlined is kind of a self-evident identity. And I think obtaining or creating that is where you kind of get that X factor or, you know, you get a truly powerful personality because you are who you are because of who you are. If that makes sense. That's it. That's it. That's absolutely right. Yep. And so again, not, not to just continue to beat this horse, but, but when I retired from football and I threw out that identity of pro athlete, I lost the discipline, the, the commitment, the hard work, because I kept saying to myself, why get up at 6am? I don't have yeah. to, I don't have football to get ready for whatever. And, and again, I realized, well, you know why? Because, because I'm a, just a disciplined guy Yeah. because I'm just a hard worker. If, if, if I'm interested in something and I'm going for it, I'm going to work hard at it. It doesn't have to be pro football. Um, I, I, why, why show that level of commitment? Because I'm a committed guy. When I, when I commit to something, I'm all in. So to your point, I, I think you made a great point. Like, um, you know, you don't need a reason to be somebody. You don't need a reason to, to, to do certain things. You can be, do those things just because, because you are, <laughs> you know, your identity doesn't have to be tied to some profession or some goal or something that you're striving for. It's just because that, that, that's what resonates with you. And um, I think that gives a lot of people freedom. You know, you, you don't have to have a reason why you're saying like, no, I'm not going to have a drink tonight or no, I'm, I don't want to eat McDonald's tonight. You don't have to have a reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. Looking back, uh, and this, this will probably be the last question before we start into kind of our uh, ending section, but looking back, what sort of things would you counsel your past self to do in order to prepare for that transition, obviously keeping in mind, you don't want to compromise your level of performance. <laughs> I love, I love, man, we're on the same wavelength. So, so here's the truth about me. And, and this is what I feel. This is what I teach. Right. And again, um, it's just my, my thought, my belief. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree. Um, there is no plan B ever. Any moment that you spend contemplating plan B is a moment that you're taking your eye off the ball of plan A. So my entire football career, there was no plan B. I used to actually sometimes be insulted when people would say, well, hey, you know, if this doesn't work out, what, you got a fallback plan? Absolutely not. I refuse to let the idea that this wouldn't work enter my head. I'm fully focused on plan A, fully sold out on plan A. At the point where it becomes apparent or inevitable that plan A is not going to be successful. My thought process, my mentality was we just small course correct and fall forward into a new plan A. There's no falling back though, right? And so I say all that to, to answer the question with this is that I didn't set up in my last couple years in the NFL, right? I didn't start to set up anything to transition into. 
for two reasons. Number one, because I didn't know when my last couple of years in the NFL were going to be. I ended up playing for six seasons. I wanted to play for 10. So I was still trying to play. But number two, it took everything within me, all of my focus, all of my commitment, all of my energy just to stay there and stay at the top level and continue to be able to perform at those levels consistently. So I, I still, I have no regrets about that, that when I retired from football, there was nothing in the pipeline to transition to. But what I would advise my old self to do is at the moment that I did know that that, that plan A was no longer going to be feasible, I took way too long to begin the process of transitioning to that new plan A. I, I allowed myself to fall into some of, you know, that, that, that self-pity, um, you know, feeling bad for myself, wondering, you know, why this happened to me? Why couldn't I be fortunate to play a couple more years? All of those type of things. And that's the, 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 the period of time in my life that I really regret. Those probably two years where I was just kind of wallowing in that self-pity. Well, maybe... Maybe I'll never do anything great again. Maybe, um, you know, I peaked at 30 and this is it for me. And instead of immediately going into the next thing and approaching that with the same passion and commitment and desire and dedication that I approached my football career. Wow. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. The maybe I'll never do anything great again. You know, that's a thought that like so many of us have had. And I just never have thought that like, a pro football player would have that same thought. And it's just fascinating to me that kind of when you boil down all these extraneous layers, we are all so similar, which is a good thing because that means that you can replicate those great things you've done again. And then your stories can inspire and motivate others to, to do things like that. And it's just, you know, that's the whole kind of purpose of this podcast. So man, that, um, that was, listen, I struggled, struggled big time with that. I, I remember one of the stories I tell in my book, um, I was having that conversation with my mom and she used to like to use these, these analogies. She said, no, you know, you're, you're, I said, man, maybe I'm finished. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm done. And she said, no, you're just changing tops. Um, she said, you know, you're not down and out. You're just in the Valley right now. You're changing mountaintops. And I was like, I, even if, even if there was another mountaintop, I don't think I've got what it takes to climb it. You know, that's, that's how far I'd kind of gone down that rabbit hole of thinking maybe this is the only thing I'm good at. Maybe I'll never do anything great again. Maybe at 30, I peaked and I'm just going to be a guy for the rest of my life that um, never does anything great again. And, and, um, and what's, what's not surprising to me is the number of people and in, from any industry, right? Maybe they were, they built up a company or, or they were a CEO and now they're on the downside of that mountain and they're, they're trying to, find a new mountain to climb and questioning whether they have what it takes to climb it. And so many of us have been there. So many people will be there at some point. Um, and, you know, my kind of my advice or my feeling on that is, is some of the things we talked about before, which is you absolutely will. And you absolutely do have what it takes to climb that next mountain. 100%. I love that. Man, I think that is a great place to end the show. Um, before we let you go, Jimmy, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. But how can our audience reach out to you, support you, see what's going on, and uh, just connect with you? 
So my website is jimmyferrisfaris.com. Um, got a little uh, box there where you can just enter in your email and uh, get on our email list. All of my socials are just at Jimmy Ferris. Again, J-I-M-M-Y-F-A-R-R-I-S. And uh, my first book, Be a Pro, um, will officially be released on January 18th. And it is available for pre-sale, pre-order on Amazon as we speak. So if uh, all of your listeners would be so kind to, to go pre-order that, um, we've got to gotta push it up to that number one slot um, on release day. I would be very, very appreciative. Excellent. Uh, and then... Like I said, we need to give our audience some action items. So this is the list of action items I came up with. Uh, number one, start reading more books. Uh, and then number two, be open to try your interests. Uh, did you want to add to that list anything specific? No, I think that that that's it right there. Like dive into, you know, open your mind. Like I said, books, different interests and things like that. They'll open you up to some things that maybe you didn't even know you were interested in. And then once you realize like, wow, I'm interested, I'm drawn to that, got to go explore it. I love it. Uh, I don't think we do enough exploring nowadays, even though we should. But that again, that's another podcast in and of itself. But thank you so much, Jimmy, for being on the show and, and sharing your story. I thought it was very insightful and uh, thought provoking, um, which is always good for a podcast. I appreciate it, Justin. Thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to that episode. What did I tell you? It was going to be an awesome one. Very thought-provoking. And I sincerely hope you go out and do this action items as well as think about your identity. Who are you? Really? Who are you really? Now, I also want to say thank you. Uh, it's a new year. And uh, I, I've been podcasting for a little over two years now. And I just want to say thank you for letting me do this. And uh, if you want to support me and, and show some gratitude for what I've done, uh, I'd appreciate that. Just go to you know, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify and just leave a rating and review. That would go so far in uh, just showing your appreciation. But uh, either way, I, I'm grateful to you for what you've done in listening to the show week in, week out. You know, We've been through some interesting times, you and I. Um, I know I don't quite know you by name, but I hope that you feel like we can uh, connect and you know, wherever you're listening to this in your early morning workouts, while you're doing the laundry, doing dishes or whatever, I just wish you all the best. So happy new year and uh, we'll be back next week for another great episode. Until then, my friends, keep doing hard things because you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, my guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up 
uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below. As well, you can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at The Hard Thing Podcast. This is first come, first serve, and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down, having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, So look forward to having dinner with you.